listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. All right. Hey, sometimes I think it's good to uh, step away from just, hey, getting right into the sermon and just kind of like say something uh, quick just to kind of like let you know like, hey, I get to stand up here, I get to preach, um, but I'm like a real person just like you. And so here's something, man, as we were singing, uh, like even when I don't see it, you're working. You went, now, let me tell you, that, that hit me in a really unique way. Uh, this week um, has been, um, there's been a lot of heavy stuff, I'll leave it at that, uh, that I've dealt with in personal life, like things like kind of all around me, it's been heavy. And you know what, last week, if you remember, we pointed to what Jesus' invitation to, to, to come with him with our, our burdens and stuff like that. So it just lets you know, hey, that, just being transparent with you, that's something that, that I'm having to do today. That's something that I'm having to learn today. Y'all are smiling. Someone's like laughing. Do I have something on my pants? I, like, I was like, my fly's down. Oh, this is bad. Someone was like, I was getting a few weird looks. I don't know. Anyway, hey, I'm just letting you know, um, in, in, the, in the realness of life, that, that's something that even tonight, and, and here's what's interesting. What can, be, what can be hard for us is we can have a tough week, and it's very tempting to kind of withdraw from God, right? It's very tempting to do that. Like, hey, you, you're helping me with this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of withdraw from you. Um, but, but you know what's awesome? Is that and coming to him and his word and and just even back there just kind of off by myself refusing to just hey say I'm not going to sing but like leaning into that truth God just overwhelmed me with 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 a peace and reminder that this what we do here is good so just just a quick reminder for you guys um, man the, the word is living after the things that we sing every single week are powerful and good hey raise your hand real quick have you ever had a teacher or leader or college pastor um, who uh, like you really like enjoyed and maybe they even like were teaching in the same place or maybe they were a principal in the same place for like a really long time, like 10, 15, 20 years, people in your life that you kind of know, man, they've had a good tenure. They've kind of stayed there for a long time. Southcrest is known for that for pastors. Brandon's been here a while. Our pastor David has been here uh, coming on 30 years. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, there is a teacher back in Sweetwater. Actually, she was a counselor. Um, her name is Melissa Howard. And I don't know if she's ever going to watch this um, because my mom loves me. She like watches us. She's probably watching right now. She'll probably share it with Melissa because I gave her a shout out. But Melissa Howard, um, it's always good to have your mom be your biggest fan. I'm just saying, it's awesome. Um, love you, mom. Um, Melissa Howard um, was just an awesome counselor. She loves students. She loved people. Y'all are those people that when they greet you, like they don't just say your first name, but they say your first and last name, you know? What's up, Katie Ritchie? You know, and they say it real fast. It's Katie Ritchie over there. But like she would always, every time she saw me, what's up, Cole Rhodes? How you doing today, Cole Rhodes? And so I just got in, that, got in the pattern. I just say, hey, Melissa Howard, how you doing? And so it became a running joke. And actually our, our uh, families were really good friends. But I can even remember today, um, so many like stories, that, that just ways I knew Melissa was kind of stepping into people's lives and students' lives and kind of entering their hurt and counseling them, helping them think through different things. Um, and she just retired this year after 37 years of faithful service as a counselor. I mean, that, that's incredible, guys. That's a long time. And that's something I think you would agree, right? Well, we, we can kind of look at that and say, man, that's, that's impressive. 
But here's what's interesting. Did you know um, the, the fruit of faithfulness, which is what we're going to talk about? Um, faithfulness, for whatever reason, doesn't get talked about in a very flashy way. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if I said, hey, we're going to talk about marriage or we're gonna talk about faithfulness, like which one would you come to? I'd be honest, right? Or we're gonna talk about dating, right? And like how far is too far and all that stuff or faithfulness. You'd be like, you're not coming to faithfulness, right? Or we're gonna have a panel split, like faithfulness over here. I'm leading it, Zach's over there. You can talk about dating or whatever. Like I'm alone in a room, let's be real. Like y'all are coming to that. But what's interesting is that this is a fruit of the spirit. This is something that, that scripture says that through the writings of Paul, that being of the Spirit is actually a characteristic that God himself perfectly displays and calls us to display faithfulness. And so I think the question for us tonight, um, via my story, I got lots of nods and kind of agreements. Hey, that's a good characteristic to have. I think the question for us tonight is what does it look like for us to be a faithful Christian? What are some things that would be happening in our lives where like, at the end of it, Jesus would be able to say, you are faithful. Kind of from the, the story, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, what are some things that our lives would be marked by where Jesus could say, hey, and that, and that faithfulness, like, nailed it. Like, awesome, all right? So that's what we're gonna dive into tonight. Um, if you could, go ahead and go to, I said Philippians 3, that is not right. Second Timothy chapter 3. Don't ever trust your notes, guys. Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 10, and we're gonna actually read through chapter four, verse 18, uh, just to get a good chunk of this. Um, so yeah, y'all, y'all bear with me, and we'll kind of talk about what's happening here in this context after we read this. So starting in chapter three, verse 10 of Second Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Y'all know this verse, a lot of you. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then now we're in chapter four, verse one. Some of you that had discipleship have were saying it, memorize it, you were all saying it? Yep, they're doing discipleship. You should know that verse, I'm calling you out. All right, chapter four, verse one, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. During COVID and out of, is that what y'all says? Out of, okay. Uh, reprove, <laughs> rebuke. I messed up saying that word, practicing it, and I messed it up again. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, 
Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, which by the way, I, I never said henceforth, but henceforth, <laughs> there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So what's happening here? Anybody just by show of hands read part of or all the book of 2 Timothy? The, the letter, I should say. Yeah, yeah, lots of hands here. Okay, so what's happening here is Paul is at the end of his life. We talk a lot about Paul. You're gonna hear him in a ton of sermons, especially right now we're going through Colossians. He wrote that and, uh, through the inspiration of God. And, and so we're gonna hear a lot about Paul. Very faithful apostle of the gospel. And here he is at the end of his life. And as we read, I don't know if you noticed that, Paul has actually um, been deserted. A lot of his friends. So here, let me, let me keep reading this real quick so you can, starting in verse nine, here's a few things that happened to him. Do your best to come to me soon. Uh, by the way, when you don't know how to pronounce something, just say it real fast, and that's what I'm about to do. So for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens, which I think we should call him croissant because of what he did. Uh, croissant has gone to Galatia, so he left all right, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Uh, Tychicus, I've sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and all, of all the parchments. You kind of get the, get the idea. And then this dude named Alexander the Coppersmith. Like, what a name. Like, you better do something great if you're called Alexander the Coppersmith. He said he did me great harm. So that was his greatness, great harm. Good job, Alexander. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. I'm in a goofy mood tonight. This is going to be fun. Um, so Paul has had all these friends and close people to him. They just, like, left him. They didn't do anything to deserve it. Like, Paul is an awesome guy. Like, he's been faithful. He's poured into lots of people. He's prayed for them. He's been for people. He's at the end of his life, and he's kind of alone. But one thing that he does, despite all that, the suffering he's going through, is he reaches out to his beloved disciple, Timothy, um, a, an actual fellow younger pastor, um, very young guy, uh, especially for that world for pastors. And he, he reaches out to him, wants to encourage him, wants to encourage him toward our word tonight, faithfulness, and actually show him a little bit about what it looks like in his own life to be faithful. And so let's go back to verses 15 through 17 of chapter three. Real quick, it says this. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. And then we know that all scriptures breathed out by God passage. And so really important stuff about the word that he's reminding Timothy about. You know this, this is what you believe about God's word. And then verse two, look at this. He said, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Because there's a time coming when people will not endure this sound teaching, but they'll basically have itching ears, it says, and they'll kind of pick and choose what teachings they want and kind of wonder from, from the truth. And so, what does it look like to be a faithful Christian? I think as many times as you see the word, word or reference to the Bible or truth, a faithful Christian is a person of the word, all right? In other words, a Christian, a faithful Christian is someone that in any situation that they're in, they're not gonna allow themselves to become untethered from what the word of God says. They go through something very difficult that makes them 
question, is God really good? A faithful Christian, even though they go through difficulty, is not gonna tether away and say, maybe, maybe God is loving, but he's not good. Does that make sense? And so no matter what you do, a faithful Christian holds true to the word and is a person of the word. They believe 2 Timothy 3.16 that the Bible is God-breathed, that it's without error. God-breathed, really, really cool. Like in the Greek, it's theanoustos. Like it, that is a perfect translation. It's if God was breathing and speaking right, right there. We know we can trust it. It's perfect, even through translations. And I don't know about you, but where God has breathed, I wanna be there. You know what I'm saying? Like where, where God has spoken, like, man, let me be found there. Like, I, I don't wanna, huh, there's God. Hmm, that looks good over there. Like, never cross my mind. And so that's, that's the essence of the Bible. Now, not to roast anybody. Um, I was gonna have you raise hands. Let's not do raise hands. But if we, if we did a show of hands and I were to ask you, how many of you, not counting Tuesday night, and, and not counting Sunday in the past week, if I were to ask you, have read your Bible at least once? I kind of wonder, it's not a shame. I wonder if there would be kind of a sobering quiet over the room that in some of our busyness and, and some of just whatever we fill our lives with, that although a faithful Christian is a person of the word, we're not having a whole lot of interaction with the outside of people kind of opening it up for us. And so, why do I point that out? Faithful Christian is a person of the word. That is why we probably sound, almost every guy that gets up here in the venue, like most sermons at some point, there's gonna be a reference to being in the word. It's because it's, it's powerful. It's, it's, like what, it's what we're about. Like, if you look and, and think a lot about Christians, if you even look at critics of Christians, some of the largest criticisms are because we believe things that are not popular to the world from this book. That makes sense? And also what you should see about Christians is that they, they are loving and they're kind and they're compassionate. And where do we get those values from? We get them from the word of God. And so here's what motivates me to be in the word. Uh, just one of the many things, but one thing. Um, I, I encourage you, if you ever have a chance, look in the church history and look in the sea, the work that was done, the labor done to make this available, okay, one, just in its original language. What just fell? I'm good. Uh, in original languages, so Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and then much more like the fact that we have this in English is, is frankly quite miraculous if you look at where we've come from. We've come from a time where your life would be threatened to even suggest that the Bible could be held and read by anyone except the highest, the highest religious elites. And through church history, people have sacrificed their lives or comfort. They've been excommunicated from communities so that we, common people like you and me, could have this book in our hands, even, even lost their lives. And so what I think about that, not to make me feel guilty because I don't, man, I should probably read this more, but I think, hmm, what does that tell me about how important this book is? People are willing to give their lives for it. And so here's what it tells me. It says, what I need to do is I need to learn from the faithful saints of the past and what they've taught us about the importance of God's word. I want to model after them um, being people of the word. I want us to, sorry, I lost my place. I want us to be encouraged to see that, hey, there's lots of issues, but man, for sure, without a doubt, this is a hill to die on. That makes sense? This is a hill to die on. 
um, I don't know about you, one of the first times I heard um, someone say people of the word, like I heard it and it was like this kind of like old raspy like grandpa voice. I was like, son, you better be people of the word. I'll tell you what, you're gonna slap that word. You know, it was kind of like the guy, like, I don't know why I keep picking up my Bible. It's gonna fall apart. You know, kind of like starts kind of coming after you like that, like Bible thumpers. I don't know why, but that, that's the context in which I heard it. And I didn't like the saying. And then I heard it by someone who was like, you know, a normal person. I was like, hey, maybe it's a good thing to be a person of the word. Here's the objection I think a lot of us can have to that just type of lingo. We think that's an old school way of thinking. Um, like some, sometimes when we just say, I think we should just be people who love others. First, I'd ask you, where do you get the idea to love others? And the word, right? And I would say, second, love without truth is not love. The most hateful thing that you can do is know someone your entire life and never tell them about God and never lovingly, gracefully, kindly shed the light of God's word on their lives. Say, hey, just like you, or just like me, you're a sinner in need of the grace and mercy of God found in Christ Jesus. And so when we say being people of the word, it's not this outdated lingo. It's actually something that's very important for us to be faithful. A faithful Christian is a person of the word. Hey, I'm gonna make a shameful plug real quick. Um, this Thursday, uh, we are having a discussion series. It's gonna be about two to three weeks. The third week is gonna look a little bit different. Um, it's gonna be called Real Talk. We've talked about it on social media some. We've referenced it a little bit. Uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, the topic of racial reconciliation, all right? So here, here's what's something that happens as you are a person of the word and, and as you're a Christian, especially as you grow, is you get in this book and what happens is you look out into the world, not in a cynical way, but you look out into the world and you begin to identify like, hey, there's a lot of sin out there. And so things before that you like accepted and thought were cool or whatever, you start to call sin. So here's an example. And this is not to make you squirm, it's just call it like it is. Like the Bible very clearly, sex outside of a biblical covenant of marriage is sin. You look over here and you, and you see actually like a sin that we kind of play down like gossip, it's sin. Look over here and you see gluttony, like eating and gorging yourself, actually a sin. Look here and you see that in, there are industries that secretly thrive and, and flourish that have massive profit because they have underground sex trafficking underneath this shell company. That's a very specific definition, but we look at that and we see that sin. So you get the picture. As we get more into the word of God, things that we used to accept or think was okay, this past Sunday, Brandon talked about sexual immorality. Like we, we look and we say, hey, pornography, although maybe something that I struggle with, like it's a sin, I need to call it a sin and make war with it. That's something that Brandon talked about this past week. Good stuff. But the thing is, is that we, as we read the word, we can't pick and choose what we call out as sin. And also, as we see that sin, we don't grow bitter and cynical, but you know what we say? It breaks our heart and says, we say Jesus doesn't want that to be like that. Jesus wants us to, to shine the light of his word onto those issues. And there are so, so many issues, right? Like, let, let's be real. Like, I, I'm talking about racial reconciliation, primarily sins, things that have happened to African Americans. But hey, there are places in the world where like, there are people who have experienced so much injustice, like they don't really even have a word for justice. It's just the life that they've lived. 
There are people called unreached people groups who have never heard the gospel. They don't know who Jesus is. There is not a word for Jesus in their vocabulary. And they don't know, probably have a word for hopeless because that's all that they ever know. They don't have a a hope of justice or even a concept of it because oppression and just a terrible way of, you're getting really depressed. Sorry, I'll hang in there, hang in there. Oppression and a terrible way of living is just all that they know. And so, That's another issue, and the church wants to step into that, send out missionaries into those hard places to reach them, right? Y'all tracking with me? You good? I used a Brandonism, all right? You tracking with me? All right, (laughs) which is really from Matt Chandler anyway. Um, So with this, that's what we wanna do. We wanna sit down, have a discussion, open up the word, think of things like the image of God from Genesis chapter one and two, and see how clearly God, it just made it so clear that we're all created in the image of God and that anything happening that, that is affecting that and for society to flourish, not as the ultimate soul issue that that's all we focus on. That's not what the church does. That's irresponsible. There's a lot of things going on. But definitely as one that we want to be faithful to. I, as your journey pastor and any pastor, Hebrews 13 says, will be held accountable for your souls. Did you know that? Check it out. Hebrews 13. Have I been faithful to preach all of the word of God? Do I get to certain chapters in the Bible and say, we're gonna skip that this week. That's pretty tough stuff. No. I get the glorious and beautiful and wonderful, exciting burden of coming to God and and praying and prepping and letting him change me first and then saying, God, what do you want me to say to them tonight every single week? So if we come in here as people of the word week in and week out and I never say anything that challenges you or makes you think I need to change, man, I'm wasting your time. I'm wasting your time. I don't wanna do that to you. I'm wasting my time. And so, and you've seen that as we've gone through 1 Corinthians. Tough stuff. We've gone through the fruit of the spirit. Things that kind of show us the contrast between God's ideal and our lives. And so I'm about to wrap it up. We've got a few more points to make. What I'm saying is that we, we come to this place and I want to encourage you, I want you to feel challenged, and I hope that because of what we do here, you leave more conformed to the image of Christ. That makes sense? And amen, that good stuff, what the church has been doing for a long time, all right. So a faithful Christian is a person of the word. We are not going to get through the rest of these points, I don't think. <laughs> hey, let's go to verses six through seven of chapter four. Six through seven, this is what Paul is saying about himself. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So what does it look like to be a faithful Christian? You fight, you finish, and you keep. In other words, our faithfulness is active and engaged, all right? We're not called to be spiritual couch potatoes. We're called to be spiritual athletes. Not a physical athlete, no problem at all, all right? No problem. Some of you are like, oh, thank goodness, all right? But we are called to an active faith. Here's what's really cool about how Paul uses these words. Let's kind of break this down. Fight, finish, and keep. Use a basic Bible search app. Look up the word fight. What you'll find is that the word fight, Old and New Testament, rarely, although it does, has, it rarely has a positive connotation, and when it does, it's almost always in reference to how God is fighting for us. You see that? It's also a reference when Jesus is like, hey, you know what? I can call down my servants, my angels, and like pretty much 
boom, roasted, I can get the heck out of here, right? He just reminds him, hey, I'm the son of God, I can do that, just a reminder. So that's one time where he uses the word fight, but also right here, Paul uses the word fight. You know what the beautiful part of it is? Paul is not saying that he's fighting against a person or a group. He's saying, I am fighting for something. He's fighting for the gospel. He's fighting that like, hey, above everything that the church is, this is going to be true. That Christ Jesus died for my sins and on the third day he rose from the dead. He's like, I will fight for that. <laughs> I will fight for that. And so that's, that's kind of the, his idea of fight. And then there's finish, all right? Finish the race. Um, I'm not gonna make a CrossFit reference, but I did say CrossFit. <laughs> um, finish the race, all right? Have you ever raced someone faster than you? Zach, <laughs> liar. We're racing after this. <laughs> Check. Got him. <laughs> hey, um, so when you race someone faster, you can be really discouraging, right? Like they're, they're flying by you and you're like, I can finish this, but I'm not gonna beat them. So here's the beautiful part. What Paul's talking about is, hey, just, just run the race. Just be faithful. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to have the coolest shoes or, or gear or whatever. Hey, just finish the race. Run the marathon, not the sprint. And so he's talking about that in life. He's kept going. He's had um, what Eugene Peterson says, a long obedience in the same direction. Isn't that beautiful? A long obedience in the same direction. Not really fast, quick little, just here and there like, oh, I went to this camp, I went to that conference, got, got that retreat, it was so awesome, got this great high, and then bam, went right back down. No, your whole life, just a constant, steady, faithful race. And then keep. This has a sense of, of guard. So there are a lot of messages going around in this context of Paul, like, hey, like, believe this, but kind of take this out. And he's like, no, 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 no. Guard the faith, keep the faith. Guard this one true message. This is what he devoted his life to. This is what Paul got himself in trouble and in prison for. You know what's interesting, just to kind of use an illustration straight from this passage? Um, I think Mr. Croissant, <laughs> Crescent. <laughs> you know, it's be bad if like he actually w was saved and like he just comes up to me in heaven and it's like, hey, God told me about that. Not cool, bro. Not cool. Not cool. Um, so croissant <laughs> and, uh, and Demas, he, they, um, I think they did some things that, that Paul said not to do. I, I think they stopped fighting. I think they kind of put their hands down and said, yeah, I'm done. Um, I think they stopped running the race. I don't know what, exactly what it was. I don't know if it just seemed a grueling, like just the life was so hard that having endurance just seemed too hard and they stopped running the race. And I think in their faith, instead of guarding it and just having this, being a spiritual athlete, I think they were just like, nah. Now I'm gonna go sit on the couch. And so they, they abandoned Paul. So you wanna say, hey, why, why are these things important? I think we look to them. I think they stopped doing those things. I think they stopped fighting stop running, and they were not only becoming unfaithful to God, they become unfaithful, so vertical faithfulness to God. They lacked horizontal faithfulness to a brother who cared for them. And so Paul calls us into this spiritual athleticism. He calls us, hey, be a fighter for the gospel, run for the gospel, keep and guard. And, and you know what? 
here's what's fair. For you to say, I don't think I can do that well. I don't like that jargon. That's not really my personality. Like, I don't think I would be a good fighter. Not very aggressive. I don't think I'm be a good runner. Like I, I struggle, I feel kind of weak. And keeping, guarding, it sounds like a totally foreign concept. Here's the beauty of it. Christianity is a team sport. So what you do, if you feel like, man, this is hard, is you buddy up with someone who's been, who's been fighting a little bit longer than you. You buddy up with someone who's run a few races before, gotten a few 5Ks and 10Ks, you know. You buddy up with them. You say, hey, I, w- I wanna run with you. Buddy up with someone who, who you know they've gone through some certain things and their faith has remained intact. They've remained grounded. They've remained sober-minded. Isn't that cool? So if that's where you are, remember Christianity is a team sport. Paul had that with Demas and Mr. Croissant there, all right? He had that with them, but they left. And that's why it's so important that for us, when we're in this ministry together, that we not be so quick to just be like, yo, like I'm out. Or so quick, we kind of see something looks a little bit better. Man, we need each other. We need each other. I'm looking around the room like, I need you, you need me. Isn't that cool? And so want to be faithful. Keep, keep fighting together. Keep running together. And keep keeping, right? Be spiritual athletes together. And so here there's, there's one last part of this passage, but someone is texting me right now. Uh, one last part of this passage, but it is so essential. And it's verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So what does it look like to be a faithful Christian? To be a faithful Christian, we eagerly await Christ's return. And why is that? Because when he comes back, he's going to give us rest from the fight. Did y'all know that? Like, here Paul says, fight, race, keep. But we don't do that as an end of themselves. Like, I run, personally, like if I'm gonna go on a run, I wanna slim down a little bit, get fit. I don't just do it like, run, run, run. Like, I'm not Forrest Gump, right? I'm just running. You know, like, that's not what Paul's talking about. There's an end. Man, that's a great movie. I'm gonna watch that tonight. Nora's up all night. Anyway, I have a newborn, if you don't know. It's like, I'll have plenty of time to watch that movie. Um, Where was I going with that? Um, So we eagerly await Christ's return. And we know that when he returns, hey, tired man, like, hey, this life is honestly difficult. Going through suffering, going through hard things, guess what? When he comes back, he, he ushers in rest. He ushers in eternal paradise. He ushers in heaven, the new heavens and new earth. Like perfection and sweetness. And, and, and here's the thing. Paul makes a reference to the crown, a real reward that there is. I don't know exactly what that looks like. But the real reward is actually Christ himself. Isn't that awesome? The real reward is the one who has been fighting for us since the beginning so that we might have a relationship with him, who has been running like constantly, day and night, who neither neither sleeps nor slumbers, eats or anything, constantly stays awake, saving and redeeming the world who is not a keeper of our faith, he's the author of our faith. And he's coming back. And that's how we wanna stay faithful. We look to that and we remember that. 
I remember um, some pretty funny conversations. You ever notice that um, kind of our older brothers and sisters, maybe even like grandparents, they're really passionate about end times. You know what I mean? Like there's conferences and all this stuff like that and they come back and there's always this like book that like nails down exactly when Jesus is returning and you're like, man, that's awesome, but like it does say that no one knows, so all right, you know. And so, but like here's the thing, I, I'm, I'm minimizing, that's, that's not fair, that's a, that's a straw man. But um, one of the things I was thinking about was, is my, my mama growing up is, is so passionate and about um, just a good thing, wanting Jesus to return. Like, that, that's a good virtue. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about how many times um, she would say, like, Cole, you know what? I just, I think Jesus, is, he's coming back. Like, this, this, and this happened. And I said, Mama, I hope you're right. But, man, I, I think there's a few more things that are going to happen before. Like, I think it's going to get a little bit worse. I hate that. I hope you're right. I really do. But you know what? I'm really going to ask you this. Why do you think that older brothers and sisters think about that more than we do? Because when we're young, right, if we were honest, especially if we got good things going for us, like, hey, Jesus, I got a pretty good relationship right now with this girl. I think we're gonna get married. Wanna get a job, wanna get a house, have a few kids, drive a nice car. Like, hey, like when you're young, you got everything kind of going for you. You're like, oh man, there's so much to look forward to. You're maybe even tempted to think, Jesus, can you wait a little bit? Let me kind of live on this earth just a little bit longer. Here's why I think that our older brothers and sisters don't do that. I think that a good portion of them, they've experienced not, not like a celebrity level, like super rich people, but like I think a lot of them have experienced some of the best that this earth has to offer. I think they've experienced victories. I think they've tasted sweet things in their life, like having a family, whatever it is, like going places, traveling, like us, just experiences in church, like good things that have happened. And I think what they would say is as great as those were, the greatest that earth has to offer pales in comparison to being face-to-face -face with Jesus. And I think that they know that. So actually... They're on the right side of this one. I think for us, and a lot of times in the race, and especially, I, I, can, I can speak as, as younger, you know? I, still, still in my 20s, that's very generous. <laughs> um, man, it can be really easy to lose sight of that. I think seeing life can sometimes seem so difficult because I lose sight of this, like, hey, I'm not just doing this as an end of itself. Like, I'm doing this for my reward. Like, I'm gonna be with Jesus. So I learn, I start fighting and running and, and keeping the faith like that's gonna happen because it is. And I wanna be found when Jesus does return doing those things, amen? And so that's beautiful. In order to be a faithful Christian, if that's what we want, we look to, we eagerly await the return of Jesus. So here's what would be ironic wouldn't it be weird if all we did tonight was look at the faithfulness of man but not the faithfulness of God? Agreed? That'd be kind of weird, right? Like, Paul, great life, still sinner, not perfectly faithful. And so for me, all those, all those applications I think were good. Man, keep running, keep fighting, be a person of the word, all those things. But if I take my eyes off the one who 
has, who, who is ultimately perfectly faithful, I'm gonna fail every time. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 19. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not, do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Focus on 19 right here. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I would ask everyone in this room, because I never want to bypass the possibility, have you entrusted your soul to your God and your creator? Have you personally experienced the faithfulness of him of which he's fought for from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, so that your soul may be saved? Have you seen the beauty and glory of the cross of Christ and seen him and looked and beheld him as he's died for your sins? And have you looked at the empty tomb and seen he has risen? That he's faithful. And just as the message we talked about last year, come to me, that message exists every single day. This living word is speaking for anyone who has not rested their soul, put their faith in and found their rest in a faithful creator. That is your invitation tonight. Second, for those of us who are Christians, who have been in this race, maybe just for a little while, if for a little bit longer, I think it's fair to say most of us, younger crowd, not very long. We have to remember that the only reason, the foundation of which we can be faithful to him is because he was faithful to us first and remains faithful throughout that. So here's what's amazing. Did you know tonight you're gonna fail to be perfectly faithful to God in some way? Prophetic word. No, not really. I am too. All of us. Because none of us are perfect. You know what the Bible says? When we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot do anything else because he is God. That's the one we rest in. And so full circle, back to the fruit of the Spirit. When we talk about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control next week, Zach Calderon's gonna pow, knock it out of the park. When we talk about those, we can only bear that fruit because God is the perfect display of that. And so first, entrust your soul to a faithful creator. Isn't that beautiful? That's the word, y'all. Love it. So you want to be, be faithful. Be people of the word. Stay grounded in him. Fight, run, and keep. Eagerly await Christ's return. But in all that, keep your eyes on the prize, right? The perfectly faithful one. 
See, the, the one who calls us to faithfulness is faithful. And lastly, you want to be faithful? Look to the one who wrote the book. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you are so, so faithful. When you promise us something, there's no question about it. It's for sure. We can say, is God good? We say yes and amen. Is he a good father? Is he kind? Is he loving? Do you perfectly love? Do you perfectly exemplify joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and, and defending the poor and the oppressed and the fatherless and those of us who are weak and in need and, and sinners in need of grace, all of us, yes and amen. And it's to you, Father, tonight that we entrust our souls, maybe some of the first time, maybe as a renewal again, and we commit to you tonight that we are going because you are faithful we are going to be faithful to you and to others starting tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.